glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Wonderful, wonderful uh, book, uh, wonderful story. Of course, it has to do with the genealogy of not only David, but of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And uh, I love the the book of Ruth. Uh, I think there's seven major characters in the book of Ruth, and the seventh one is a man by the name of Boaz. And uh, seven is a type or in numerology of perfection or completion. Boaz, the type of Christ, is very fitting there uh, to see that. But tonight I want to look at a particular little subject and trust to make some application here tonight to our lives and hope it will be a blessing and, and a help to you this evening. We're going to look in, Luke, in Ruth chapter 2 and we'll begin reading in verse 1 and read down through verse 12. If you'd like to stand once more, you can while we read and then we'll pray after we read these verses, and then you can be seated. <clears throat> the Bible said, And Naomi and her kins- had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest, not, hearest thou not, my daughter, go not to glean in another field, Neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels, and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, and bowed herself to the ground, and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come into a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God 
of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Notice in verse 12, the Lord, he said, the Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given unto thee of the Lord of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. The work that Boaz was referring to was the gleaning that Ruth was doing in the field. And I want to take a look at this matter of gleaning for a few minutes tonight, the good grace of gleaning this evening. And uh, trust that the Lord will use this. And this is not a message to make excuses. This is not a message of discouragement. I trust it will be a message of encouragement tonight for all of us in the matter of doing the work of God. Let's pray. Father, again this evening we're so thankful for being able to be in your house. Lord God, we thank you for the good news uh, about Sister Jenny Beth and the baby today. And pray that you continue to watch over and care for them and meet their every need. Uh, Lord, we pray, Lord, tonight for each one that's here. Uh, Dear God, that we would uh, be strengthened and helped and encouraged and challenged by the Word of God this evening. Uh, May we receive help from the Word of God in the way that we need it most. I pray, Lord, that you continue to bless Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church and the work that they're doing for the glory of God and that there be much fruit to their account before the judgment seat of Christ one day. And, Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Be seated. As I said, I love the story of Ruth. We we really won't go back into the history of Ruth tonight because I simply want to focus on the fact uh, that Ruth uh, was a gleaner in the field in this chapter. We know in chapter 1 that uh, Naomi and her husband and her two boys had left the land of Israel, I believe out of the will of God, and uh, went, to, went down to Moab, and there... Uh, her husband Elimelech and her two sons uh, as married men died. And so there's three wed- widows left behind. And uh, Naomi decides to come and go back home, return to Jerusalem. Ruth, her daughter-in-law, decides to go with her. Her other daughter-in-law, Orpah, decided not to and stayed behind. We find now they're back in the land and uh, they're widows. They're in need. They have financial needs. They have food needs and so on. And so we see that story talked about and that need met in chapter 2. But I, I want to use this tonight to think about the situation uh, that I believe we're in today in the church age that we live in and in, in, in the movement of the independent fundamental Baptist that uh, I've been a part of for now 50 years. Uh, things have changed. I'll be honest with you. There's some things uh, that have changed. Like I said, I got saved 1971. And I thank God that I was saved then. That wasn't a magic year. It just happened to be the year that I got born again in the family of God. But I can think back about times, uh, for instance, when I got, when uh, a bus route was started in my neighborhood, uh, there was, uh, uh, initially there was five of us teenage boys rode that bus out of that neighborhood. Uh, By the end of the month, in about four or five weeks, uh, there were 25 people riding our bus out of my out of one neighborhood, my neighborhood, and uh, it just grew that fast, that easy, and uh, it was amazing to see that happen. There was a couple of years period of time there uh, in our little church that we saw uh, probably 60, 70 people saved, uh, and most of them baptized. The day I got baptized, uh, the, the pastor baptized 10 of us at one time there. Uh, that Sunday afternoon, and it was a, it was an exciting time, and and uh, God was blessing. It was a small church, and 
Uh, but they were just trying to do the work of God, going out and visiting, knocking doors, passing out tracts, trying to do what they could for God like this church does. And uh, it seemed like there was a lot, of, a lot of fruit. A little bit later, we changed pastors, and that's, the activities continued the same. And uh, we began to see God work and move more and more. And uh, uh, we would go out on visitation on Thursday evening, soul-winning visitation time. And uh, we would, uh, it, was not, it was not uncommon to have a list of names and places to go, four or five places to go. And uh, you might get two of them in one night. The reason for that was because normally, or many, many times, uh, when you knocked on someone's door, told them where you were from and what you were doing, you got invited into somebody's house. They might not know you at all. You might be a total stranger. But when they knew that you were from a, a Baptist church in the area, now this wasn't every case. Now don't misunderstand me, but I'm just saying things were different. Uh, people would open the door, invite you in. Many times they tried to feed you something, they give you cup of coffee, and uh, many times on a Thursday night, uh, someone out of the group that went visiting got to sit down with someone in their living room or at their kitchen table, open up the Word of God, and give the gospel to someone. Now, not every, not somebody didn't get saved every week. Our motive wasn't to try to get somebody to just pray a prayer and get through the thing, uh, but we were trying to give the gospel to people. And it was interesting uh, <clears throat> that uh, in that period of time, there was a time when you could tell people, you could tell people where you're from, what you were doing, and most people had a respect for the house of God. They had a respect for the word of God. They had a respect for the people of God. They might not agree with you, but they would treat you cordially and be kind to you, invite you in, like I said, be neighborly and give you an opportunity uh, to give people the gospel. But <clears throat> you know as, as well as I do, that's not necessarily the case anymore. Isn't that true? Uh, it's, uh, it's a rare thing today, uh, and I've pastored two churches in between all that time. It's a rare thing today to be able to go out and knock on doors, and uh, sometimes people don't even answer the door. Uh, but it is certainly a rare thing uh, to get, to, for someone to invite you in and let you sit down and open up the Word of God and give them the gospel. How many of you remember the last time you did that? Anybody? Okay, one. Amen. That's good. See, that's a rare, rare thing today. The reason for that, part of the reason is people have changed. Their thinking has changed. Their mindset has changed about God. Their mindset has changed about morals, morality. Their mindset has changed about the church and their respect and their regard for the church as an institution. Uh, and we could stand out here all night and talk about all the reasons why that could be or not be. But the point is, uh, there was a time when churches that were doing what this is church is doing. You're trying to get the gospel out in every way that you can that God's allowing you to do. And uh, there would be there would be much fruit from it. But that's not the same today. Thank God for every individual soul that gets saved. Amen. And everyone is important. But I'm saying that the, the results are not the same as they used to be. I've been there. Some of you are, are older. You may remember uh, the, the difference uh, in the, the, rea the reaction uh, to God's people doing the work of the Lord. Well, the Bible talks about praying to the Lord of the harvest that he send forth labors into the harvest field. Amen. 
you know, you've got missionary board, you got missionary letters on that board back there, and what you are doing in supporting missionaries and praying for missionaries is you are thrusting laborers into the harvest field. And by the way, there are places on this planet where there is a tremendous harvest going on. There are places on this planet where missionaries are preaching the word of God and multitudes of people are getting saved. It's an exciting thing to see that. Amen? Uh, it's a wonderful thing. We go some of these foreign trips and it's you go on some of these foreign fields and you see people reacting uh, to the gospel and you wonder why aren't people reacting like that back at home? Amen? And, uh, and I'm not saying that there's not a harvest in America. There is still a tremendous harvest to be done but when it comes to the work of God and what we are involved in it seems like we're more gleaners today than we are harvesters a gleaner would be one that would come along behind those that are harvesting the main crop and they would pick up what was left over in the field and that's what that's what Ruth was doing out there along with some others she was gleaning she was picking up what was left behind uh, in the field, behind the harvest, if you please. And I, I've looked at that and I thought, you know, I've, I sense that that's kind of where we're at today. We're not, we're not seeing a great harvest of souls, per se, through our ministries, but every now and then we do. We, it seems like we're doing more gleaning uh, than we are harvesting. But is there value in gleaning? And that's what I want us to see tonight in the book of Ruth, that there is good grace to be found in gleaning. Nothing wrong with gleaning tonight. Let's go back, if you will, to the book of Leviticus chapter 19. There's three thoughts I want to leave with you tonight. Number one is going to be the word on gleaning. And then we're going to look at the work of gleaning. And then we'll look at the worth of gleaning tonight. But if we go back to Leviticus 19... You can hold your place here in Ruth if you want. We will come back. Uh, in Leviticus chapter 19, I want us to see the word, God's word, concerning the subject of gleaning. The Bible said in verse 9, And when ye reap the harvest of your land, God speaking to Israel here. Now this was under the law. The children of Israel were in their land. Uh, these were laws pertaining to these things. He said, When ye reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest. And thou shalt not glean the vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and stranger. I am the Lord your God. God instructs Israel when you go to harvest your fields, you leave the corners. You don't go back and glean every single thing on the vine, every single thing on the tree. Leave behind the gleanings uh, for the poor and the stranger. Notice, if you will, in Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 22. Notice something else God's word tells us about this matter of gleaning. In Leviticus 23... And verse 22, he said again, And when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corners of thy field when thou reapest. Neither shalt thou gather 
any gleaning of thy harvest, thou shalt leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So God repeats this uh, matter of gleaning and leaving the gleanings uh, to the nation of Israel. Go to Deuteronomy 24. I want us to see one more passage here. God's word on the matter of gleaning. In Deuteronomy 24 and verse 19. The Bible said, And when thou cuttest down thine harvest in the field, and hast forgot a sheaf in the field, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. In other words, you drop a sheaf on the ground in the field as you're bringing your harvest in. Don't go back and get that sheaf. Leave it, he said. Thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hands. When thou beatest thine olive tree, thou shalt not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the stranger, and for the fatherless, and for the widow. When thou gatherest the grapes of thy vineyard, thou shalt not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt. Therefore I command thee to do this thing. I want us to consider, first of all tonight, uh, when we think about the good grace of gleaning, that it is God who established the matter or the exercise of gleaning. This is a plan of God. This was something God established in the nation of Israel. Now, he did it uh, with, and there's three things, three principles I think we can conclude uh, out of this matter of God establishing the children of Israel, practicing the matter of leaving the gleanings in their field. Number one, uh, it was, there's a principle of reverence involved here. The principle of reverence, did you notice? When God said, I want you to leave these gleanings, and then he would finish the statement with, I am the Lord thy God. God wanted to remind them when the subject of gleaning came up that he was their Lord, their God. He is God, and what God says should be paid attention to, and God should be reverenced. In other words, they were to practice this matter of gleaning and leaving the gleanings in the field because God was their God, and in reverence to him, they would obey what he said. And so there's a matter of reverence. There's also was the matter of responsibility, the matter of responsibility. He said there will be people in the land that are poor and needy, and you are to leave the gleanings of your harvest for the poor and the needy. In other words, Israel was to understand from God that they had a responsibility to take care of those who were less fortunate than they were. God makes it very clear uh, there was to be a responsibility held by those who had to help meet the needs of those who had not. This was not a social welfare program. Boaz said when when Ruth was gleaning in the field uh, that what she was doing was called work. Amen? He said, blessed be thy work. And so this was not just a handout program. God said, makes it very clear. If we don't eat, if we don't work, we shouldn't eat. Amen? This was a way for the poor and the needy and the stranger to be able to have their needs met 
they were able to work for what they needed even though they didn't own the land, even though they didn't pay for the seed, even though they didn't plant the crop, they still went out and gleaned in the field. They sweat and they, they worked and labored for what they had. That way they could honor the Lord for making provision for them and they could keep their self-respect. Amen. So God set this program up. Because Israel, he wanted them to realize they had a responsibility to those in need around them. And then number three, uh, there was the principle of rejoicing. He said here in verse 22 of Deuteronomy 24, And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt. Therefore I command thee to do this thing. He said, listen, I want you when you harvest your fields, I want you to leave the gleanings. Because I don't want you to ever forget there was a time in your life, in your history, when you were a bondman in Egypt. And God set you free. And God raised you up and took you out of Egypt and out of that bondage. And that, in, in, in looking back, Israel should be able to go back and rejoice and say, Thank God we were in bondage, but we're no longer in bondage. And that... That remembrance would bring rejoicing in their heart, knowing that God had blessed them now in the land, given them a land that they did not buy, uh, uh, gleaning from uh, crops that they did not plant, and yet God was blessing them bountifully, and they could take a harvest and leave enough by to, to meet the needs of others and remember that, hey, there was a time when we were slaves in Egypt, had nothing of our own, and look what God's blessed us with now. And they could rejoice in that. I think we could say from this passage of Scripture that God, God is not pleased with greediness. God's not pleased with selfishness. And God's not pleased with indifference. Amen? You remember the story Jesus told about the man who planted his fields and had great harvests and he built barns and filled up his barns. And when he filled up his barns, he said, then I must build greater barns. He didn't have a sense of responsibility toward his neighbor. He didn't have a reverence toward God. He didn't have any rejoicing you could see in himself. He's just selfish and greedy and indifferent to the needs of others. And the Lord said, that's not good. Amen. God frowned on that. And so I find here that the word on gleaning established by God was something that God established for his people so that they would remember to reverence him. They would be able to fulfill a responsibility toward those around them and they could use this as a time of rejoicing and thanking God for his goodness and his blessing and his bounty on their lives. And so this work of gleaning was a good work. Notice if you're the, the word on gleaning. Notice number, uh, number two. Go back to Ruth chapter two and we're going to look at the actual work of gleaning here for a moment. Ruth chapter two again. We find here, I want to read these first three verses again. And by the way, gleaning is work. Anybody ever been involved in gleaning? Actual gleaning. I remember, I don't know, I must have been 20, 21 years old, and we had a man in our church uh, that had, uh, he had uh, racking horses. And... uh, he and I used to ride horses together a lot. We worked in the same place, and and uh, 
Uh, we would uh, take weekends sometimes on Saturdays and something. We'd ride horses. We'd ride those horses for hours. Loved to ride those horses. And uh, there was another man in our church. And he had a small farm. He was a public school teacher, but he also owned, uh, I don't know, about 25, 30 acres. And he planted corn on there. And he had an old one-row one corn picker. That's all it would pick at a time was one row. And it was an antique. Uh, and uh, anyway, he came to uh, Brother Bob, who's the man who had the horses, and he said, look, he said, I picked my corn, and those old one-row uh, corn pickers, they didn't, they didn't get all the corn. They left a lot of it in the field. And he said, if you'd like to, he said, I know you got horses and you could use the corn. He said, if, if you want to come out to my house now, I've already picked my field. I've already got the harvest in. And if you want to go out there and go through the field in your pickup truck and pick up the rest of the corn off the ground, you're welcome to it. And so what he's doing, he's allowing him to go and glean in that field. Well, I rode horses with, with Brother Bob, and so I overheard the conversation, and I told him, I said, look, you go to get those, that corn out of that field, I'll go with you, I'll help you. And so that was fine, and so we went out one, one afternoon, and, and uh, we got the pickup truck and started going down through those rows and picking up corn, and we picked up corn, and we picked up corn, and we picked up corn, and we had a heaping truck bed full of corn on the cob, uh, when we got finished and uh, you know it wasn't extremely hard work but I can honestly say it was work amen nothing wrong with the work of gleaning now and it met the need now notice what Ruth says here the Bible said Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's a mighty man of wealth and of the family of Elimelech and his name was Boaz and Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi let me now go. Now, remember, this is daughter-in-law talking to mother-in-law, the younger talking to the older. She said, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, go, my daughter. Now, I want to think about the work of gleaning for a minute. And I, and I want us just to kind of relate that uh, to what, what we did this afternoon, for instance. He said, I thought we were sowing. Well, we're getting the word of God out. We're doing the work of God. We're not going to see probably this next Sunday a great harvest of people come in here as a result of going out this evening. But I will say, thank the Lord, there was a couple here this morning, sat right back over there, that was here this morning because somebody was on their door last Sunday afternoon and invited them to church and gave them a portion of the word of God. So that's good, Amen. You know, we went up to Butte, Montana, and uh, I can't remember now. How many John and Romans did we end up passing out? 10,000, 10, 11,000. And uh, those churches have had just a few visitors. They've had a few. Uh, not a great big bunch. You would think out of 10,000 doors and John and Romans passed out, it would be a great mass of people show up to church, but it's not so. But was the work right and was it worth it? Was it worth it? Even though the results seem very small in comparison to a great harvest, is it worth it? Is the work the right thing to do? Well, Ruth asked, tells, asked permission of her mother-in-law to go to the field and glean ears of corn. Now, let me say this about Ruth. This, her desire to go and glean and her willingness to go and glean... In, it reveals some things about Ruth. Now, typology-wise in the scriptures in the book of Ruth, 
uh, Naomi represents backslidden Israel. That's what Naomi represents in the book of Ruth, uh, the one who went out of the will of God. Ruth, on the other hand, uh, represents the church. She marries Boaz, the type of Christ. It's the church who is the bride of Christ tonight. Amen? It is through Naomi, backslidden Naomi, that Ruth is introduced to and meets Boaz. It is through Israel that you and I today are saved. It is Israel that has provided. God used Israel to provide us the Scriptures. God used Israel to provide us a Savior. Amen? And so we're introduced to Boaz through Israel, even though Israel is out of the will of God. And so you have a picture there. So Ruth is a type and a picture of the church. And she says, let me go glean. Now, in her desiring to go glean, it revealed to her, first it revealed something about her. It revealed, number one, it revealed some initiative on her part. There is a need in her home, her household. That need is her and her mother-in-law need a meal. They need to eat. Amen? They need to eat. They don't have an income, and they need to eat. And so Ruth says, let me go glean. She took the initiative. She had some initiative in her, said, look, let me go do something to meet the need. That's initiative. Amen. Number two, it revealed some integrity on her part. You know, Ruth could have sat back and said, you know what? I think I'll wait till after dark, and when it gets dark, I'll go down here, and I'll steal some grain for us tonight. She could have done that. People do that kind of thing, right? But no, she she did she had integrity about her. She was willing to work for what she needed, and she was willing to meet uh, the need of her mother-in-law. It wasn't just so she could eat, but it was also so her mother-in-law could eat. So she's she's showing some initiative and being willing to go work. She's showing integrity and being willing to do something in a a manner that's honest and honorable and to meet the needs not just for herself but for her mother-in-law. Then it revealed something else. It revealed some humility in her part. Revealed humility. You know who gleaning was designed to, to be for? The poor and the needy. And so Ruth going out and asking in the field permission from the field farmhand, the the foreman of the field, can I have permission to glean in your field? What she was admitting was that I am poor and I am needy. Amen? So there's humility on her part. She could have sat back in her pride and starved to death, but rather she admitted that she had a need and she was honest about her own condition and her own needs. And then she, re, she required, it required some understanding on her part. I want you to notice this. The Bible said, let me now go to the field. The field. Ruth had enough understanding to realize if you're going to see your needs met, if you're going to glean, you've got to go to the field. You've got to go where the gleanings are. Amen. Now this is really... I know it's oversimplified, but I want you to think about this. She had enough sense to realize she wasn't going to glean anything sitting in the house. Listen, I get, I'm in churches all around the country, and I meet pastors that are sitting around and wondering why 
Nothing's happening. Nobody's getting saved. Nobody's visiting the church. No new faces are showing up. No interest at all. They will not go outside the door to glean. They're sitting back and waiting for someone to come to them. When the Lord told us to go to, to go to the world. They're sitting back and thinking uh, that God ought to be blessing them with fruit and with and, and with uh, a harvest uh, when they're doing nothing to bring that about. Some of them it's their pride. Some of them it's laziness. Some of them it's discouragement. What I mean by that is some of them look back and remember what it used to be like. And they're seeing it's not like that anymore. And they've gotten discouraged and just gave up. Yeah. I'm glad this church hasn't gotten discouraged and given up. Amen? I'm glad this church and this ministry still showing initiative and realizing God has a plan uh, for meeting the needs of people and it may come down to actual gleaning. And the harvest may not be great, but there's a harvest out there. Amen. There's still, the pickings may be slim and they may be few, but there's still some out there. By the way, Ruth and Naomi both ate well that night. Isn't that true? Why? Because Ruth was willing to glean. It was a humbling thing. When people saw her gleaning, they knew she was poor. They knew she was needy. They knew that she didn't have anything of her own and she was having to depend on somebody else. You know what? In our humility, the world ought to be able to look at us carrying on the work of God and not see pride but see humility and realize that we're trying to do the work of God the way God wants it done because we don't have the power, the ability in ourselves to do what needs to be done for God. We've got to do it His way so God will bless in His way. So it required some understanding on her part. She understood if I'm going to glean, I've got to go to the field. And then it required faith on her part. Ruth was a Moabitess. She wasn't raised up under the word of God. She wasn't raised up under the law of God. She wasn't raised up under the teachings of Moses. She was raised up in a heathen land. But she understood enough about God's word to realize God had established a program for widows. And by faith, she believed that her needs and her mother-in-law's needs could be met if she would do things the way God said to do them. So she said, I'll go and glean. And she learned about that gleaning from those passages we read in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. She put her faith in the word of God and the God of the word and said, God said this is the way poor widows and, 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 and strangers should be taken care of. And I believe God and by faith I'm going to go out and glean and trust God to meet the need. Amen. And that's the way we're still to operate today. We're to do what we do by faith. We're to believe uh, that God's word is true. And if God said go, get out of the house and go into the highways and the byways and the hedges and compel them to come in, to go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. If that's what God said and that's what God established, then by faith we simply do what God said and trust God for the results. Amen. 
So that's what Ruth did. And so I find in the work of gleaning, it revealed her integrity and initiative on her part. And I believe when a church decides they're going to continue doing things the way God said to do them, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the numbers, regardless of the size. You see, we've we got a generation of Christians today, independent Baptists today, that are looking back and saying, well, that was then, and that was the old days, and we live in new days, and we can't do the work of God the same way we used to do it. We've got to try something different. And what they're doing, they're trying different Bibles. They're trying different music. They're trying different standards. They're trying different methods. I mean, they're trying everything under the sun, but simply go out and get in the field and get behind what's been harvested and simply glean what's left. Trying something different. By faith, God's people can continue to do things the way God said to do them. So there's the work of gleaning. Then I want you to look finally at the worth of gleaning. This gleaning on Ruth's part was a, was a very valuable thing for her. Number one, it was worthwhile because it provided her an opportunity to fulfill her responsibility. She was the younger one in the house. She had a responsibility toward her mother-in-law. And it, gleaning provided her an opportunity to fulfill not only the responsibility of taking care of her needs, but also taking care of the needs of her mother-in-law. And when we go out and glean in the fields, even though there's not a great harvest, when we'll do that, it's giving us an opportunity to fulfill the responsibility that God has given us toward his work and toward his word and going out and doing what we can the best we can for the glory of God and trying to reach people for Christ. You know, when we leave those John and Romans, you think, boy, what's, what's that going to do? What good does that do? That is the word of God. That's the power of God. It's alive. Amen. It's real. And it can work in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. But if we don't sow it, if we don't get it out there, nothing will be done. And so it gave her an opportunity to fulfill her responsibility. It also revealed her testimony. Boaz said, I've heard about you. When he asked, whose damsel is this? He said, I've heard about you. And I've heard about what you've done towards your mother-in-law and how you've left your land and followed your mother-in-law. And now I've heard about how you've come to the field and you've asked my young men if you can glean here in the field. He said, I've, I've, I've come to learn something about you. You've got a testimony. And it was a good testimony. Amen. You know, every church ought to want to have a testimony that honors the Lord Jesus Christ. It ought to have a testimony that we want to, we want to fulfill our responsibility to God and toward the people out here in seeing to it that every man, every home at least has an opportunity to have the word of God and to hear the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to have that kind of testimony. We ought to want a testimony in this town that we're not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ and we're willing to go out here week after week, door after door, house after house, and give out the Word of God, make sure that people have the Word of God, try to give them the gospel. Why? It's our responsibility. Gleaning allows us to fulfill that and it gives us a testimony in town. You know what? People in this town may say, I don't, I don't, 
agree with Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church. They might say, you know what? They were the ones that came by and made sure I had something of the Word of God in my house. They're the ones that's coming by and are, are concerned about my soul. They're the ones that's trying to reach me and my family. They may not agree. They may never come. But a church will have a testimony in a community if it cares about the lost and cares about pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ. And gleaning made that possible for us. Then I see here in the worth of gleaning in Naomi's life, it rewarded her with her provisions. Boaz said, listen, you stay in my field and do your gleaning and I have already talked to my my young men and you're going to be protected. And I've already charged them and, and he, as a matter of fact, he told his men, said, you leave handfuls of purpose for her. I'm going to meet your need. Amen. You realize you ever stop and think about this little church and the people that's here and the work that's being done, the effort that's going forth to get the gospel out, what God has allowed you to do, what God is allowing you to do through through your, your outreach in the community, through your missions programs, through trying to reach the communities in other places, through having the tools you need to work with. You realize how God has blessed this place. I was in a church just uh, since I've been out here. I was in a church. This church is about three years old. And uh, they purchased the building. They went in debt for it. And uh, the pastor told me, he said, oh, by the way, he said, you're the first missionary that we've had here. He said, now when we get our building all paid off, then we're going to start taking on missionaries. And I thought, you've got it backwards. I didn't tell him that. But I thought, young man, you've got it backwards. And here they were just scraping by. They're in debt and barely barely getting by. and uh, But they're not doing it the way God said to do it. They got it backwards. I was in another church just here recently. And the pastor invited me to come, and we talked. And and this man is, he is he he wants to get the gospel around the world as quickly as he can. And uh, he said he took me downtown and showed me a building downtown, big old thing right downtown. He believes God wants him to be right in the center of the city. And he said, "Here's this place." He said, "We're getting ready to sign a lease for 90 days. I think it was 90 days." And he said, at the end of the 90 days, we have the option to buy this place for a half a million dollars. I thought, that's a lot of money. Now, he said, this building's worth about $3 million because they advertise the square footage wrong. But he said, they want a half a million dollars, and we're praying and trusting God gives it. Amen. And I believe God will. But he talked to me. He talked to me after I was in his missions conference. He called me and he said, Brother Gary said, I just want you to know about our missions conference. He said, he invited four missionaries in. And uh, he said, uh, uh, when we came into this missions program, we were flat broke. We didn't have a dime. Not a dime. And he said, we just trust in God to meet the needs. 
Because we believe if we'll, if, we'll, if we'll have a heart for what God's got a heart for, God will take care of us. Amen. Then he proceeded to say, I just want you to know you got a check coming in the mail. And he said, all four of you got the same size check. And when he told me the amount of the check, I about fell on the floor. I never had an offering like that in my life. I'm talking big check. Big check. And he said, all four of you got the same amount. And he said, every single need, motel bills, airplane fare for the guys that had to fly in, everything paid for. And they're already supporting missionaries, and they're planning on taking on a bunch more. Besides, they're planning on sending their own people to the field and paying for scriptures to go there. He realized God has a way of doing things, and if we'll do the things the way God says to do it, even though it doesn't look possible or feasible, God will provide. And I have not asked Pastor, I said, now, Pastor, I said, I know you all are praying for a half a million dollars to purchase that building. And I said, I'm assuming that you're not planning on going to the bank and borrowing the money. He said, absolutely not. He said, God's able to do it. If he wants us to have it, he can provide it. And I'll be shocked if it doesn't happen. Why? Because here's a man that's wanting to do things by faith, trusting God. He believes if we'll put God first. And he said, the moment we came, he said, the moment we came here and I started pastoring, and that was about three years ago, same amount of time as the other guy in the other place, that the moment we came here and started pastoring, we had about 15 people and we took on a missionary right away. And he said, we started trying to reach people with the gospel right away. And you know what? God's met their needs all the way through. And God did, God did amazing things in that place this past week. And it was wonderful to see it. I'm saying all that because uh, the, the worth of gleaning is if we do things the way God tells us to do it, God will honor his word and God will meet our needs. If I understand things correctly, this church doesn't owe a dime on anything. You pay your bills on time. Is that right? You've got tools to work with. A bus, radio programs, a building. Whatever it is you need to work the work of God with, God has God provided? Is it all paid for? It is. And God has blessed you abundantly, not because you're somebody extra special, but because you've chosen to walk by faith and work by faith and work the way God says to work and trust God for the results. God honors his word. Amen. So there was provision and protection in her gleaning. And then this may be the best thing of all. She got the attention of a man named Boaz. He was extremely pleased with her. To the point he fell in love with her and married her. Greater than all the handfuls of purpose she could take home at night and show her mother-in-law. Greater than the protection along the way during the daytime and the handfuls of purpose during the daytime was the fact that she met Boaz and he was extremely pleased with her and loved her. 
You know what? When it all boils down to it, the greatest thing about doing the work of God the way God wants it done is that it pleases the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about anyway, isn't it? It's doing what pleases him most. I believe there is great grace in gleaning. God will honor our gleaning, even though we may not see 25 or 30 people come in on the bus route in four or five weeks of running a bus. We keep doing what God says, and it may not be running a bus. I'm just using that as an example in my own life because that happened at that time. But whatever it is, when we know the will of God and what God's will is for how we're to conduct his work, we do it by faith and just trust God with the results. Don't have to look for newfangled things. Don't have to change your Bible. Don't have to change our music. We don't have to throw separation and godly living out the window. We don't have to change local church identity away. We can stay by the stuff and do the right thing and still trust God to give the results. Amen. God is faithful. He's always faithful. The man that I was with in that week-long missions conference, and I'll close with this. man that I was with, he's pastoring his home church. His home church is 45 years old. And uh, he left, he was sent out of that church when he was 19 years old to be a missionary to the Fiji Islands. And he stayed in the Fiji Islands for 23 years. And then his home church called him and begged him to come home and take the church. It was about to fold and go under. They'd already sold and lost their building and their property, had no money, flat broke. And he said, I believe that God wanted me to come back and establish, reestablish this church. And that's what he's doing. He said in 45 years, he was the only person that was sent out of that church to go do a work somewhere else. The only one. You realize in less than 15 years, you've already multiplied yourself, sending out not just supporting missionaries, but sending missionaries out of your church. There are churches all across this country that are 50, 60 years old, never sent one family out of their church. Amen? God has blessed you tremendously. Sometimes it don't look like it when you look around, but you just keep gleaning and keep gleaning and keep gleaning and God will be pleased with it. I believe that with all my heart. Then one day at the judgment seat of Christ, see, we don't know. We don't know what's going on out here once we leave a door and leave a house. We don't know what God's doing in people's hearts and lives. We just leave that to the Lord. Amen? Mm-hmm.